Hi guys, it's Susan from Flying Dog Tie-Dye. And Hannah from The Diamanding Hippie. Welcome again to Dye Talk, the podcast about all things related to tie-dye. First, today we're going to follow up on uh, comments, questions, and suggestions. And we did get um, our question answered from our last episode. And the question was, what was your favorite method of tie-dyeing? And we did have an answer from Carl B. Thank you so much, Carl. And he prefers liquid dyes. So we appreciate that. If anybody wants to go back and answer that question from the Mr. Tie-Dye episode, you can still go back and answer it. And we will report on that in the next episode. Um, Now it's time to talk about new products, new processes, things that we've come across. And I know Hannah ordered some new dyes from Dyspin. Hannah, what do you think? How those how have those dyes been working out for you? Wow. So I was I'm in love with them, really. That's they're amazing. The colors super vibrant. The consistency of the dyes is thicker, it's silkier, it blends beautifully. I'm surprised. I'm not, I'm not sure if silky is the right word to use, but the dyes are just a silky application. I love that the jars have labels on the side and the top. So when I open my drawer, I can see the name of the dye right on the top. And I'm really, really impressed. I love everything about it so far. I, I really love the dye spin dyes. Um, I'm with you. I love the uh, label on the top. I don't have to write in my terrible printing what the dye color is. I also love the fact that they have some really unique colors. And I also like the fact that you get free shipping on any orders that are $35 and above. Free shipping is clutch. Definitely. Definitely. So... That's a two thumbs up on Dye Spin, folks. So we highly recommend them. Give them a try. Agree. I have a little tip or a trick that I would like to share with uh, listeners. A lot of people are probably already doing this, but maybe not. So instead of uh, soaking your pieces in soda ash to save some time, You can either mix your soda ash with your dye, whether you're using liquid dye or if you're, uh, you can mix it with your powder dye, or if you're ice dyeing, you can just sprinkle your soda ash right on the top of your ice. That is what I do. I tend to use quite a bit of soda ash but I just sprinkle it on top of the ice and I haven't noticed any difference in the vibrancy of the colors. I haven't seen any difference. So I say if you've got something that can save you time, since tie dyeing is a time consuming process to begin with, go for it. It is really great for impatient dyers too, like myself. I don't want to wait 30 minutes for fabric to soak. I want to dye something and I want to dye it right now. So that's a great way to skip around that having to wait in the beginning. 
Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Okay, now it's time for our lucky find artist shout out. Why don't you go ahead first with yours, Hannah? Okay, my lucky find shout my lucky find artist. I'm going with tie dye by Stephen J. It's tie underscore die underscore by underscore Stephen underscore J. He, his t-shirts are amazing. The way he gets the lines so crisp and so many colors on one shirt, but they're balanced and even and very, they're visually pleasing to look at. So I'm going to go with tie-dye by Stephen J. How about you, Susan? I want to make a comment about tie-dye by Stephen J. His work is awesome. I am familiar with him and highly recommend that folks uh, check him out and give him a follow. My uh, lucky find artist shout out is going to go out to LC tie-dye and it's LC is in Charles tie T-Y-E dye D-Y-E. So it's LC T-Y-E D-Y-E one word. She does some awesome work, really interesting colorways, interesting patterns, um, just something I, I, I just really haven't seen out there. So check her out, give her a follow, um, really great work. She does have some interesting, unique work that I've never seen before. It's, I like it, it's really pretty. She posted a really dope tank top today. Oh, I saw that. The purple and blue and kind of gold one. Yes. Yes. That was beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Yes, it was. Well, um, up next, we are going to have our guest artist of this episode. And uh, we're really excited. And we'll be right back with her. Well, thanks everybody for staying with us. And now we've got our guest artist and it's Erica from Thriving in Tie-Dye. Erica, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I'm so excited that you guys are making a podcast about tie-dye. I think everybody in the community um, can benefit from something like this. Thank you. I think it's a great idea too. And we have received a lot of really great um, positive feedback from it. Um, so we're going to ask you some questions today and kind of pick your brain and see what's going on up there. Cool. And Hannah's going to start out today with some questions. Okay. Hi, Erica. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Not too bad. We are about to get a big snowstorm. So just trying to get all of my stuff done before we're snowed in for a little bit. <laughs> oh, hunker down and do some dying. Yeah, I've been I've been uh, taking blanks out of my soda ash all morning, doing a, always having to recycle them through. So that's always fun. <laughs> no prep in a different kind of way. Yes. We need bread and toilet paper. We have blanks we need to get to. <laughs> yes. If I do it today, then I can hopefully dye them tomorrow if they dry in time. Can't wait to see what you create from it. When, uh, when and how did you first get into dyeing? <clears throat> so a little bit of a long story about, um, so I, in 2000 and, 
18, we decided to travel the country in an RV. Um, I had gotten laid off job, and so did my uh, fiance. So it worked out really well. Um, we set out on this trip, and I, in the beginning, I said, I'm going to start a business. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm not, not working when I get back. Um, so on the end of, I had a wire wrap. So I started this little uh, wire wrapping business, which was still called Thriving in Tie-Dye at the time. Um, Thriving in Tie-Dye was actually first my travel blog name um, for this trip. And then a few months into wire wrapping, I finally accumulated some money and we were back home in a house. So I bought some dye stuff. I think it was the summer of 2019. Um, I, I liquid dyed a few things and I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I got right into ice dye after like mixing liquid dye one time and deciding it was way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> and I was hooked. So I, I pretty much, I was always like a big tie dye fan. I always wore a lot of tie dye, which was how like I came to the name thriving in tie dye. And then I guess being a business, I was like, well, I can't be called thriving in tie dye and not make tie dye. <laughs> So that's kind of what brought me there. Um, and ever since I've just been hitting the tie-dye thing really hard, I worked two jobs for a while. And now I'm finally a one-job, full-time tie-dye-making hippie. Yay! Yay. That's wonderful. <laughs> um, great. I don't mean to be ignorant, but I'm probably going to show uh, my ignorance here. Um, what is wire wrapping? So it's when you take like wire, um, like thin wire and you wrap it around stones to make like a setting out of a stone. So it's like a lot of like the hippie jewelry you'll see is wire wrapped. Um, so basically you take, you take wire and you're like usually weaving it into like a setting to wrap the stone, like lock it into something that you can hang from a string. Um, really good way to make jewelry without actually having to like have all of the tools of a metal smith um it's really pretty it's easy to learn hard to master and also hurts your fingers just like tie-dye does <laughs> do, do you still do that um so i did up until maybe last christmas like not this recent one but the one before that and then i kind of put it down right before the pandemic and fully started tie-dyeing and not doing jewelry. I did revisit it a couple of months ago to see if I could pick it up again. And it is more time consuming and harder on the fingers than I remember. So I only made like one, one pendant this year and I was like, I don't know about this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that that's something you'll ever I, get I would into like and maybe bring to your store? I would like to. It's, it was my thought. I was like, maybe I'll do this again. Now that I'm only working one job and theoretically I'll be able to figure out time management better at some point, I'm hoping that I can do that again. I've also been really interested in polymer clay jewelry. Hmm. I think um, watching all of the reels on Instagram has really made me think I would like to start playing around with that. So um, I would like to add more jewelry to my shop again, um, but I don't know if I will. Long okay. after, hopefully, hopefully is the answer. Do, do you create any other type of art? 
Um, so I do actually draw also. So I do sell some stickers, which are mostly hand drawn by me. Um, I used to do it on paper and recently I got an iPad. So I've been playing around with digital art. So I'm hope I do sell stickers right now. I'm hoping to add more of those and hopefully turn some of those designs into t-shirt designs um, at some point so I can either dye them or sell them just like screen printed tees. So oh, that's a great idea to take yes. your sticker creations and put them right onto your dye creations. Yeah. Anything I can do to um, not have to make everything every time would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand that. Your stickers, are they, how would you describe them? What's the style of them? Typically a lot of like Grateful Dead related drawing. They kind of all started out as like doodles. Like I'll usually draw like a, a shape and then um, paisley it or like doodle, almost like a Zen tangle. Have you seen those? Um, I've seen them, I haven't tried them. Where basically like you take a you take an, a shape and then you fill it in with designs. So that's typically how I would make them in the beginning. Now I've been kind of branching out a little bit into drawing um, a little bit more of like pictures, but usually like music related. Most of them are Grateful Dead related. Um, they usually have like some sort of lyric involved in them. Um, but you, music related stickers, a lot of color, obviously. <laughs> yeah, color. Yes, I get that. Do you, as you're doing your stickers or your dyes, do you ever come up against artistic blocks? Oh yeah. I, I think that's why tie dye and wire wrapping kind of stuck for me. Um, I was a mostly like drawing was my medium when I was growing up. I just enjoyed it. I liked to doodle. Um, but I would always come up with like a block. Like it would take me a long time to figure out what I was going to draw. And once I figured it out, it's a little bit easier, but the what I'm going to make was the hardest part. Um, I like with tie dye and with making jewelry, like you have a, you have a thing that you're starting with. So it's really, it doesn't really take as much thought, especially with the, with the geodes for me, I know like pretty much how I'm going to tie it which is going to be like all as abstract as I can get it. And then with color, if I don't feel inspired on what colors to do, I've made myself like a, a Bible of colorways. Mm. So um, every time I do a good colorway, um, I write it down. Well, actually I write down everything that I ever dye. And then once I'm done with each batch before a drop, I'll go through and pick out the best ones and then record those colors and the picture into a document. So then when I'm not feeling inspired or I am tired or don't really want to work, I can just go to that book and figure out, okay, like I like this colorway and then I'll kind of play with it based on what I have in stock for colors and what I want to change. So I, I kind of have found ways to um, work around the block if that makes sense. Do you find that you go to your Bible of colorways more often than, and I'm just going to call kind of working on the fly as far as the colorways? Um, I'm mostly working on the fly, I think. It's usually when I get to like the end of my like dye session that I need to pull from the book. 
So like I know what colors I use a lot. Like I've been doing a lot of like green colorways, like green and brown. Do a lot of like the purple, blue, greens because people like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll pull from the book when when I'm like reaching the end and I'm out of like either ideas or kind of just ran out of like the things that I know I need to make that people want. Um, and then I'll kind of go from there because with, with the common colorways that I use, like I know what range of colors I'm trying to use in that. And then I kind of just pick my own every time. So like, if I know I'm going to do a green colorway, it's not the same one every time. Same with the like mermaid colors. It's just like, I know the range of colors I need to go from, but with the end of my dye sessions, it's usually like, okay, I've done all of these things now where should I go with this? Um, so then I'll usually pick up the book and pick a colorway and start with whatever colors are in there and then kind of tweak it as I go. Okay, that makes sense. Hit it up for some inspiration and, and keep going. Yeah, yeah, it definitely helps. I'm not a visual, like I can't visualize things in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely like a visual learner. So having that visual of the colorway in front of me really makes a difference for me to be able to like think about what I want to do if that makes sense definitely makes sense to me um so excuse me on that um what is one thing you wish your customers knew or really got about your work I think the the one thing that I wish that people understood is like the reason why a lot of us don't do custom orders <laughs> because I get a lot of like angry messages about things selling out and why don't I do customs and can't you just do customs and no matter how many times I explain why I don't do customs I still get a lot of questions. Um, So I guess like I wish people knew that as a tie-dye artist, we only get to work with what is available to us as far as blanks go. Um, I mean, I've looked into creating my own blanks. It's very expensive. Not a lot of options here in the United States. Um, So um, we're kind of at mercy. Like we're at the mercy of the suppliers of blanks so you can't always get the same size or style that you had before it's sometimes it's a different color and it's not white so you're kind of working around using a a a colored blank which makes the custom option harder um at least for me there's not a lot of preciseness to my dyeing style so when i dye something i don't have a lot of um expectations on how it's going to come out. I know what colors I put down, but I don't know how it's going to come out. So when I have a custom order, I feel beholden to trying to control the outcome and it doesn't ever come out as good. (laughs) Um, So I wish that, I guess people knew like more about how the tie-dye process works and that some of us don't necessarily have control over enough of the variables to feel comfortable with taking customs. I know a lot of my 
dyer friends that have uh, bigger customer bases don't take customs anymore just because of that um, that bit. And for me, it really slows me down and stresses me out to do customs when I feel like if I'm just allowed to do my thing and release them as I make them, um, the product comes out better. The customer is going to get a better item. Um, but it's hard to explain that to every single person. <laughs> did you used to do customs? I did. I did for a while. I stopped um, last winter before Christmas because I was just feeling really burnt out. It was just taking me a very long time to get to them because to to be keeping up with doing shop releases every couple of weeks, it's a lot of work. Yes. <laughs> um, so to add in an extra couple of items that are um, that are going into that workload is harder than you would think it would be. Also, I order a lot of clothing from wholesalers. So um, those come in sized packs. So if I, you know, have a pack of six, it's two smalls, two mediums, and two larges. If someone wants a large custom item, then I'm out a large for my release. And that might, that's usually my most popular size. Mm. So it really just kind of like throws off the whole, throws off the whole thing. So I had to decide not to do them. Occasionally I'll accept them if someone's having like a wedding or a baby shower or something that's like really a, an important event. I will consider it, especially if they give me enough time, like months. <laughs> <laughs> Then I'll do it. But um, other than that, I've kind of had to shut it down and it's made my job a lot easier and more fun. So um, anyone who's listening that's a business owner out there, do what works for you and your business. Don't let other people strong arm you into doing things that don't work for your workflow because you'll get burnt out. <laughs> good, advice. good advice. Mm -hmm. What do you think has been the biggest challenge you've had to overcome to be successful in your business? Um, I would say probably having my family understand that I, <laughs> that this is a career for me. That's definitely been a personal challenge. Um, like my, my parents were like, why are you quitting your lucrative career? What are you doing? Um, and I think from like the business standpoint, staying motivated and inspired to do all of it. So I like doing the tie dye. I don't always love doing the social media. Then other times I like doing the social media and I'm tired of like working around the clock on the tie dye. So I guess staying balanced on all of the tasks that you have to do. I didn't realize how many things I would have to do to run this small business. Because you are your entire business. Yes. So I'm the marketing department. I'm the the uh, customer service. I am sourcing all of my blanks. I'm dyeing stuff. I'm keeping up on ordering is very hard. Like I'm not an impulse buyer. So I will I will fill my cart and then not buy it. And then I'll wait. For <laughs> Right now, I was supposed to get mailers that were supposed to be here yesterday, and I waited too long, and now they're going to be here on Sunday. 
So yeah. I can't ship my orders out until my mailers come in. And that's entirely my fault um, for not clicking the button fast enough. But I was looking for the biodegradable mailers. So <laughs> I, I use biodegradable mailers. They're, they're pretty clutch. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, didn't need to get biodegradable mailers, but if I can do a little tiny part to make things better, I'm going to do it. But now I'm delayed on my shipping. What are you going to do? If there was one aspect of your business that you could outsource to make your life easier, what would you outsource? Oh man. I would love to outsource photos. I hate taking photos. I like, I don't mind taking the photos with myself in them as much, but I hate taking the mannequin photos. I hate doing flat lays. I hate it all. It's just the time suck. It hurts my back. (laughs) Um, So that would be, I would love to outsource that. If I could outsource um, someone putting tags on my clothes, I don't tag my clothes right now. I would love to, but I can't imagine sitting down at a sewing machine and tagging 60 items every two weeks. So that's another thing I would outsource, but I don't know if that's going to happen for either of them anytime soon. Yeah. Photos and inventory photos by far is the most challenging aspect for me. Uh, It's just, yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned, that's, that's definitely why it's hard. I just bought a set of studio lights though, and I would highly recommend it. It made my life so much easier. I was using just natural light coming from my window that's right. um, yeah. for a long time. And it was a struggle because I'm always waiting. Like, when is the sun going to go through the window? Oh no, it's cloudy outside. <laughs> or, oh no, it's snowing. So now I can't go outside and do it. And I have to figure out how to do it inside. These studio lights have changed my game. Um, it has made it so much better. They were like a hundred bucks for two soft light boxes. And I would, I would pay it. I would pay triple the amount of money for the amount of help it has given me. Oh, duly noted. That's a good recommendation. Yeah, I can send you the link if you want it. I'm very happy with them. Um, sure. I would love that if you have a minute to do that. I'll definitely do it when we get off this because it has made, it's just made things like easier. I don't have to edit as much because once you get into editing your photos, especially with something like tie dye, it's a little dicey because you don't want to change the color right. of the garment, but you want to get it right. And usually it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> coming from window light so not having to actually edit my photos and just having them come out pretty through to the color has made a big difference in like my my workflow and also like I think the quality of the photos it sounds like such a time saver yeah it's definitely a time saver still a time suck to take the photos but not having to edit each one of them is a big help yeah you you I'm sorry go ahead Susan I was just going to ask, do you have a regular like 35 millimeter camera or are you using a phone? I do have a camera and I used it for a while and it just slowed me down a lot. Um, so I just use my phone now. Okay. I, I, I was like, I was doing the camera for a while, but then I was having to import them to my computer, edit them also. And, you know, I, I, I'm doing so many dyes and I need all of that stuff on my phone anyway to post it on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So I just started using the phone and I don't think that the photo quality has suffered much. If anything, it almost takes better photos that are more true to the color than my camera 
um, which is kind of strange, but I thought they were good. <laughs> I think your photos are great. That, that's why I asked. I thought she must be using, you know, a 35 millimeter. So. No. So I, I, I try really hard to make sure my photos are nice because that is like, I think the one really important tool that we have um, as far as like getting your like, one for people buying the stuff and also media people like things that are aesthetically pleasing and um like have the right lighting and composition i'm also like a very amateur photographer um for fun so i i like the the aspect of making sure that my photos are very like consistent <laughs> they look great the ones that i see they look amazing thank you so much the colors are always so bright but sure, accurate. Yeah, I always worry. I'm like, is it, does this look brighter than the like the dye in person? But I never really get those comments, so I think it's going okay. But I do worry. I'm like, is this look too bright on here? <laughs> As you've been dying, you said you more so like in 2019. Is that right? You really got yeah. into it heavier. Has your style changed over time since then? Um. So in the beginning, I did like more folding stuff um so yeah i guess once i like found that i liked tying geodes and that i didn't have to bend over a table as much thing <laughs> again i have a terrible back so anything i can do like sitting down is great um so once i figured out that i didn't need to bend over a table for hours a day and that i could just like lay down and tie geodes that's kind of where um where i started dying more geodes and people seem to like them a lot um because they my goal is to get more people in tie-dye um i like to capture those people that wouldn't wear tie-dye and get tie-dye into their wardrobe so um for me when i started dying geodes and not only like my work friends liked it but also like the moms mm -hmm. that i would never expect to wear tie-dye are really what captured me and then you know, starting with my typical, your typical like round bullseye geode, I kind of <clears throat> noticed that mine looked like a lot of other people's because that's generally like the standard. So I started working to make mine look different um, and try to kind of like develop my own style. And that's kind of how I came to have my dyes look like they do. Um, just like trying not to look like other people's essentially. <laughs> What three words would you use to describe yourself? Um, probably passionate. I'm definitely like when I'm interested in something, I'm all in. Um, I think colorful would be one of them because I'm very, very colorful. I'm always dressed in colors. I'm quite loud. I talk a lot. Um, Nothing is too much for me. I'm very, um, I'm very open and definitely vibrant. Um, and then what's another word? When I say passionate, colorful, and I want to say intense. <laughs> but I feel like that kind of goes with passionate, but I've had people um, express that I am a little bit intense. <laughs> 
Um, just my personality. I am very um, bold. I, there's nothing that I won't say, um, which gets me in trouble a lot, but <laughs> I'm also, like fiercely loyal. I'm not mean, but I will definitely tell you what I'm thinking. <laughs> That's good. That's healthy. I think yeah. it's healthy. What some people think it's healthy. Some people don't like it. It depends on where they are from. If they are from the South, <laughs> they typically aren't as, uh, they don't like it as much. <laughs> it's nicer down there. <laughs> what well, you at least people know where you stand. Yeah. I'm, you're never going to have to wonder what I'm thinking. I mean, I don't really get, like, I don't typically voice my opinions too much online. Um, just because one, I never want it to look poorly on my business. I really care about my business. I don't want to get involved in drama, politics, any of that stuff um, right. online. Because you're never, it's never going to go well. No. <laughs> You've never seen a, a fight in the comments that was, that made you think better about anyone. Right. Um, I try not to bring any negativity to my um, online world just because people don't know me to know that my intentions are good. So um, I, I keep that, like that personality, I guess, for the people who really know me in real life. Um <laughs> I try to keep my business stuff as professional, even my personal page as professional and lighthearted as possible. Yes, it's, it's a, maintaining transparency, but also privacy. Yes, um, I just don't. I don't need to get. I don't need to tell people my too many of my opinions online because we. You, that's not a good forum for it. <laughs> Correct. We're learning that now, especially with the past couple of years. It hasn't gone that well for a lot of people. So I just keep my mouth shut and try to promote my work and, you know, bring some joy to people's lives. Keep it beauty and beauty and yeah. light. That's it. <laughs> What's a typical day like for you? Walk us through a day in the life of Erica. So um, every day is a little bit different. Typically, if I'm being a good girl, I try to wake up and do a Peloton ride. Um, that doesn't happen that often. <laughs> um, and I'll usually, I'm usually one day a week, I'm getting ready for drop day is Monday. So that day is a lot of photos on Tuesdays um, and Wednesdays. I'm usually trying to figure out how to ship, um, get stuff shipped. Uh, if I have my mailers in, which I don't this week, so I'm not working. <laughs> um, and a lot of my days is just tying stuff, switching stuff in and out of my soda ash bath. I spend an ungodly amount of time on social media. My screen time is up to like eight to 12 hours a day sometimes, um, which is mostly scrolling. <laughs> but um, definitely I make sure to do a TikTok every day now or trying. I try to do Instagram every day and a Facebook post. So I try to make sure all of those are done. Um, and I basically end up wasting a lot of my days and working at night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can relate to that so hard. <laughs> it's really hard to get moving for me in the morning. Like I'm not, when I had a second job, like when I had a full-time job outside of tie-dye, I would get up at like six o'clock in the morning and start working. Now that I don't have to do that, I seem to have shifted my, my work to um, almost a leisurely morning time and then afternoon and nighttime, I'm usually doing most of the work. I usually don't get into the actual dyeing of my items until 
around dinner time <laughs> or maybe later. So that's not great. <laughs> I wish I could I wish I could flip it, but it's I'm just not great at working in the morning, I found out. Um, but my fiance also is works from home during the winter, which does not help my productivity. So um hoping once he goes back to work in the spring, I will get on a normal schedule again, like a normal person. But I guess I'm not really normal. So maybe that's not going to work for me. Yeah, who wants to be normal? Normal yeah. boring. It works really hard not to be, but it would be nice to be able to like put my work to bed at some point during the day or night, but I generally am always working. So do you feel that you're more creative in the evening? I think so. Yeah. I think during the, the morning, I'm just not really like awake or interested. I'm kind of, yeah, I kind of feel like it just is easier. Like I'm forcing myself to do it during the day at night. I don't know if it's just because I know in my mind, like I got to get this done today because I plan out like, okay, if I put it in, like if I put stuff under dye today, I'm going to have to take it out this day. So I'm always counting like how many batches I can do before my next drop. So I don't know if I, I think it might just be, I work under pressure really well. Um, I'm, if I gave myself six weeks in between a drop, I would still probably do all of it in the last week. So um, I think having a deadline, like I need to get this done tonight really puts the, puts the work in motion. And I think my creativity ends up just like coming in because it needs to. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you do your best work under pressure. Definitely. I've always <laughs> been like that. I wish it wasn't, but I think a lot of, a lot of artists are, I, I have a lot of friends that are also um, small business owners and artists and they say the same thing. Like I am always cramming to get it done at the last minute um, because you don't have anyone riding you. And as much as you can be like, next time I'm going to be better, you generally aren't because you right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I'm trying, I would love to get myself like ahead one drop so I could always be working on like a drop ahead of time, but I haven't got there yet. <laughs> and I find that because like the fact that I am an awful procrastinator, but I still always get the job done yes. is the reason why I continue to procrastinate. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I've only had to like move a drop once and it's because I was like sick like I've never not finished what I needed to finish I might not finish a few more things that I wanted to get done but I always get it done so I'm being rewarded for bad behavior there you go (laughs) do you have any words of wisdom that you live by hmm Maybe not words of wisdom, but there's two quote, well, not quotes, I guess lyrics that I kind of like followed to find my way. And the first one is let your life proceed by its own design um, by the Grateful Dead um, from the song Cassidy. That one was the first one when I heard it. I was like, yeah, I should let my life proceed by its own design. I'm doing all of this stuff that I hate and I shouldn't. Um, so I'm going to figure out how not to. And then somewhere after I started this business and I got laid off from another job in between eventually quitting, I went to go see a fish concert 
and it was the first time I heard them play the song Fee. And in the, the in the lyrics of the song, it says trying to live a life that's completely free. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do that too. Um, so that, that kind of like led me on my next path, um, beyond like, okay, this is just a little side business. Um, I was like, the next job I work is going to be the last job that I work. Um, and it was, it was hopefully (laughs) as far as I know, hopefully it's the last job that I did work. Um, because I really was determined that, I'm not going to keep fitting myself in these boxes that I don't want to live in. So for me, at least, um, that kind of has like pushed me in the right direction. My, everything that, um, me and my fiance have done and built and all of the decisions we've made in life after traveling have been to just, um, be freer, to not be confined by jobs and rules and doing stuff that we don't want to do. Um, and by figuring out a way to build lives that we actually enjoy. Um, and after quitting my job in August, I can tell you, I don't have very much anxiety. I don't have, I haven't had any seasonal depression this year. Um, yeah, I've never been able to skate past seasonal depression before. And I was like, wow, it's amazing what not doing stuff that you don't like will do. Like Mm -hmm. I love my job. I'm never, I don't have the Sunday scaries. I'm never like, oh, I wish this weekend wouldn't end because it's all a weekend now. I mean, I work on the weekends a lot, but um, I can do whatever I want and build my life around um, what I want to do and work around what I want to do. So that's been kind of like those wor- the words of wisdom that have moved me in the right direction have been those two lyrics, I think. Have you put those lyrics on a sticker? I haven't yet, but I probably should, right? I really, yeah, that's a good point. I probably should. (laughs) I don't have any fish stickers yet. So maybe that'll be my first one. Thank you. Sure. So you've mentioned your fiance a few times. Congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. you. We've been together for like 10 years. (laughs) So finally. Any plans? Is it too personal to ask if you have any? Oh, no. Um, So I'm trying. I'm trying to plan a wedding, but you know, I'm quite frugal. That's kind of been like a, um, a tenant of what we've been trying to figure out for a long time is like how to keep our bills and expenses low so we can do all of the stuff we want to do. And planning a wedding is very expensive. Mm-hmm. I'm finding. I thought that I would be able to plan a, um, like a really casual one for less than like 30 grand, but it's turning out to be very hard. So right now I'm grappling with the idea of spending so much money on one day. Um, So I am in the process of trying to plan one, but I keep getting hung up on like, I could buy, I could buy a Sprinter van (laughs) with all of that money. I could go on like a six month vacation, actually probably a year. You could probably live. You could live for a year on that. A year on that much money traveling. Um, So for me, I'm trying to balance my want of having a like a big wedding party. Like I love, I love the party. Would love a band. I like attention. I like and all those things. To get it. But the, the wedding, your wedding is the day to get it. Yes, I know. And I've always like dreamt of that. But then when I think about the money, it upsets me. It's not like that. I don't. Like I couldn't afford it. It's just like I don't want to afford it. So that's kind of where I am 
hung up. So I need to probably make a decision one way or another. Um, It'll come together. I remember (laughs) when I was married, my aunt told me this advice that has stuck with me ever since, not just for my wedding, but for life in general. Don't get caught up in the details. That's so true. Don't get caught up in the details. And I know at the end of the day, like if I spent the money on the wedding, I'll have a great time. All of my friends will have a great time. I'll remember it forever. It's just, I guess, like coming to terms with that. So I think I'll get there, but I'm not really rushing too much. We've already been together for like a really long time. So it's kind of just a formality at this point. (laughs) It's definitely something to think about because it is a lot of money to spend for one day. Yeah, Um, it totally is. It's, I would probably elope, but my mom would would kill me. (laughs) I'm not a frugal person, but that would be hard for me to put out that kind of money yeah. for one day. Cause you just, like you said, you, you think of all the things that you could do with that money and you're just thinking, wow, it's one day. And I know it's, you know, hopefully it's the only time you ever get married. Yeah. You're going to remember it for the rest of your life, but it's a, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot. It's definitely a lot. Um, I am hoping that, I figure out a way to make it like a little bit more affordable so I can feel better about it and still have fun. But it's not proving to be that easy. Connecticut's a hard place. Also, I live in Connecticut. It's one of the highest um, average states for wedding cost. Oh my gosh. The average wedding here is like, I think $40,000. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then like, and then I think it's like New Jersey, New York, and I think maybe California was up there, but I don't even know if California was higher than Connecticut. So that's been hard too. I just live in a bad place for it. Wow. Well, you guys will figure it out. I'm sure. Unless I just procrastinate for another 10 years. What <laughs> <laughs> house it is. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Erica, do you collect anything? I wouldn't say that I have any like collections, but I would say my collection of bags like miniature backpacks with prints on them is pretty big. <laughs> I've bought I all of these Facebook and Instagram ads know exactly what's going to get me and I can't stop buying like printed bags, little backpacks, purses, back, big backpacks. Um <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things to hold my things. So I would say that that's probably a collection at this point. Um, and other than that, maybe tie-dye clothes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. I saw just the other day a really cool, it was by the Sack. Yep. Yeah. They got them. great stuff. Yeah, they do. And it's the one that is, um, they're sea life, ocean, whatever, that has all the fish and turtles. Yeah. And that, do you know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, I think so. That one's really cool. Yeah. They they seem to know that like that exactly what I want in a bag. It's crazy. Like they they keep showing me different bags, even if they're not printed, but they have a lot of utility to them. I always click on the ads and I like usually buy them. And they keep showing me more. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's like they know something, huh? They definitely know. The other day I was even like, I was just thinking about like, wow, I have wrinkles. I would 
love it if fillers weren't so expensive and bad for you. <laughs> started getting ads for Juvederm. And I was like, I've never even like thought about this before. I've never looked it up. I've never done anything. And they like read my mind and were like, oh, you're insecure? I mean, I know we always talk about like, okay, I said this and then I started getting an ad for it. That's certainly true. But can you read my mind too? You know what I'm insecure about? My God. How are you reading my vulnerabilities right now? Like I've never even seriously, like I would never probably get fillers or Botox because I worked in the pharmaceutical industry before and I don't really trust anything. But I knew that I was like at least thinking about the fact that a lot of people get them. And I was like, oh man, okay, you got me. That's scary that they're reading your mind. Super scary, but they're really good at it. And sometimes those targeted ads work out great and you get something good that you really wanted and would never have found. So that's true. I try to look at it that way. <laughs> uh, is there any other personal news or wins that you'd like to share with us? Anything you want to tell us? Um, No personal wins or news, I guess. Um. But I lately I have been trying to work harder to like collaborate with other artists and it's been really cool um, to get involved with like having seamstresses make stuff for me. I just had a, um, a beautiful bamboo velour and fur coat made by one of my friends um, who owns Curious Culture Clothing and that was really cool. I'm getting some... Uh, handmade mini skirts made by uh, Mama's Handmade Minis um, and some bell bottoms and boxer briefs made by the Good Witch in Vermont. So getting um, getting to work with other artists has been really cool and I'm excited to to have some collaborations come out because before now I've kind of just like kind of hunkered down and got my work done in the time frame that I allow myself but now that I have a little bit more time I've been able to like branch out creatively and get um, involved with other artists and working with them so that's something that I'm super excited for coming up um, and I think that's it not a lot going on I'm hoping that I can vend some stuff this summer but I haven't been able to get ahead on my work so I don't know if I'm ever going to have enough stuff to vend <laughs> <laughs> I want to try. Well, it's a good problem to have that your inventory is selling where you don't have yeah. that. Yeah, I can never complain about it. And like at the end of the day, if I can sell all of my stuff online and just go to shows for fun, that's cool. I do love to meet people. Um, like I love seeing them see the clothes and try them on and like seeing their eyes light up and stuff. So I do miss that, that aspect of it. So I'm hoping I can at least get a couple of small events in this year, but we'll see. Have you done a lot of vending? No, I've done maybe like three or four events um, right before the pandemic started. And I was mostly like, I was selling about half tie dye and half jewelry then. So um, it's, I haven't really been out there just as a tie dye artist. So I do hope that I can do that soon. So I'm, I'm trying to like slowly add a couple of extra pieces every time I do a batch of dyes and just put them aside. So I will eventually have at least a little bit of 
a vending stock, but um, we'll see if that works. <laughs> Do you have any special interests that are close to your heart? I wouldn't say anything specific. I, um, I'm definitely like a sucker for people's GoFundMes when something goes wrong. I feel like I have a hard time investing myself in any um, like specific organizations or charities just because I don't know who's running them and I don't know enough about them. But um, I do donate regularly to like whatever I guess sparks my interest at the time or anything that comes up. A lot of like the relief funds for when there's like fires and other natural disasters. Um, I did uh, donations for, I think I did like the NAACP a couple of years ago. I'll do some stuff for LGBTQ communities. Um, I actually, one thing that I didn't mention before, I did just collaborate with um, Dr. Chris Shane on her new book about LGBT plus inclusivity in universities. Um, so my tie-dye is on the cover of that book that will be coming out. So that's cool. And that's definitely a, um, a cause that's near to my heart as well, because I think that any marginalized communities deserve extra help to get, um, get their rights as everyone else's, but no specific, specific charities or anything. Well, can't wait to read this book or see what happens with that. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, it's kind of a, a weird like little sidebar. I've always I've always wanted to write a book. So being on a on the cover of a book is cool. I think that's the first step. Maybe I'll someday write a book. I don't know about what. But and then you'll be <laughs> back as the author. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that this is just like a precursor to my 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 book career, but we'll see. That's awesome. Um, you kind of touched on this a little bit briefly talking about vendors and wholesalers and finding your blanks. Um, but is there anything else or, or what other factors influence the price of your work? So definitely the blanks, um, are obviously like, I guess the first uh, building block. And then you think about how much time it takes you. My, my dyes take like almost a week in their life cycle between, pre-wash, soda ash, hang dry, dye time, washout time, and then hang dry time. So I think about how much time I'm spending on it. Geodes are not the fastest way to dye items um, because the actual tie-up takes a little bit of time. Washing them out takes more time to untie it than you would like a, um, something that you can just cut, cut all of the string because it's folded um, or rubber banded, which would be even better. Um, so I look at how much time it's taking me, how much the blank costs, how much, I guess I don't really factor in die costs too much because that's really complicated. And then I also look at how much is this going to get taxed by the government? Um, so for anyone out there who doesn't know, at least in Connecticut, I'm paying about 40% tax on everything. Whoa. Yeah. So 40% off of a, say, $100 die, I'm getting $60 for that. Whoa. Um, I mean, obviously, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, you're taking out, like, your product costs. So, like, the blank cost 
is factored in and would be deducted from the amount of money that they take from you. Mm-hmm. But taxes are really big on small businesses. I don't think people realize that um, you, you're getting taxed for, I think, social security, self-employment tax. You're getting taxed all over the place for these things. So I like to look at what am I actually going to after I'm taxed and make sure that it's enough that I can pay myself and that it's worth it. So um, for anyone who's starting out, um, don't undervalue your work and don't feel bad about raising your prices if you find out that this is not the right price point. This is not worth it to me um, because you really want to make sure that you are paying yourself a living wage. I see it a lot in the tie-dye groups. People are like, I sell these shirts for $15. Don't do that. Sell it for what it's worth. So that's kind of, and I also look at where other dyers price their um, items at because I want to make sure that it's not too far out of the realm of what other people are charging, not too low, not too high. And I also try to make sure that it's not like really unaffordable for people. I like to make sure that I have different price points because I don't, I don't buy 85 plus dollar garments a lot. Um, and I, I appreciate that people do buy my dyes, even though they're a little bit pricier than you would typically want to spend at like the store. But um, I appreciate that people are willing to shell out that kind of money for an art piece. So I try to make sure that the prices are fair, but on par with other people's and that I'm actually getting paid fairly valuing yourself and your work. Yeah. Um, the work thing also, I think people value things more if they're a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, um, I, I think that there's something to like the right price point. Well, that's some really good advice. And I think you have to realize when you're buying tie-dye, you're buying a one-of-a-kind piece. Definitely. You know, you're not going to show up at a party and somebody's going to have the exact same thing on. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And, and it's in like you, I mean, I think people, I have a lot of ton of repeat customers. I think the people that understand what tie dye artists do really like appreciate it and respect it and understand why it's priced the way it is. But there's some people that aren't going to, there's, you're always going to get people. I mean, I'm lucky. I haven't had too many people be like, that is way too expensive but when i do vend in person that's something that you get fairly frequently like right. oh 85 dollars i'm all set which is that never feels good <laughs> right never feels good in person but um and for me i have a hard time sticking to my prices in person which is another reason i don't um i don't like go out of my way to sell in person a ton because i know that i'm gonna sell it for like half price yeah. <laughs> yeah so so what is your and this is um the last question that i have of of our regular interview questions okay what is your number one tie-dye tip or trick that you could share with us and our listeners i think the biggest thing for me was realizing what i think is great isn't what other people think is going to be great. And the opposite is even more important. Something you think sucks, someone (laughs) might love. Um, I have been so disappointed 
on some items and then I almost don't post them. And then that's the one that everybody loves. Um, <laughs> I don't understand it, but it really, it speaks to like tie-dye being so incredibly personal, like mm -hmm. your taste and what you like. So don't ever like make something and decide it sucks before throwing it out into the world. I mean, there's some things that like, at least for me, I don't, um, I don't dye things in like a very technical way because I know that that's harder and that's gonna, you're going to have more failures if you have specific places where your dye is supposed to land. Um, I see why that would be a little bit harder, but if you make something and you don't love it, see what other people think, still post it for sale. I can't tell you how many times the ugliest thing is the first thing that sells out. And the thing that I think was amazing sat for months or never sold. Um, but, you know, eventually most of the items go. Like, eventually someone will probably buy it. So don't ever, like, hate your work just because it didn't come out the way you wanted it to. Um, always always just keep moving. I mean, also a thing with tie-dye is you just got to do it yourself. You just got to keep trying and learning because what works for one person is going to work for other people. And you have to find something that's true to you. Same goes with like your tie-dye style. If you're looking to figure out like a, a style that you're like is going to be recognizable to you, you just got to keep trying things until you find something that feels good. For you um not picking like something that someone else does and trying to do the same thing so um i guess it's just keep always keep moving <laughs> that's really good advice um i i love your uh you know if you don't like it put it out there because you never know i i just have to ask you one other question to kind of follow up on that are you highly critical of your work yeah, definitely. Um, like I'll see, I'll pull out things all the time and I'll be like, wow, this one sucks. And then, <laughs> and then it will like, I'll send it to like one of my customers that I'll be talking to. I talk to a lot of my customers and good friends with a lot of them over time. And they'll be like, that is amazing. I'll take it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess I'll list it. So yeah, I'm super critical. I'll see like exactly the parts that I don't like that I'm not going for. Like it always seems like the back of the garment is better than the front for some reason. Yes, <laughs> mine too. It's like- No matter what hey, I do. Why couldn't the back be the yeah. front? Yeah, and I like, I don't always photograph the backs. So I'm like, nobody's gonna see this. It's so good. The no. front, <laughs> I don't like it. So I, um, I definitely am super critical but I try to remind myself of the advice that I just told you is that like, if I don't like it, somebody else probably will and that it will probably sell. And if not, that's okay. Not everything yeah. is for everyone. Um, but usually I'm just being critical because I know exactly like what I want out of my colors, what I don't want out of my colors, where I want the lines to be, how I want them to line up and I'll see the issue Nobody else will see the issue. Chances are exactly. anyone out there, if you're noticing something that you hate in your art, nobody's going to notice it. 
Okay. So just I, because it doesn't fit your vision doesn't mean it's not going to fit someone else's vision. Exactly. That's yeah. the cool thing about art is that it doesn't, I, I remember someone saying done is better than perfect. And I always liked that because as like someone who's kind of a perfectionist, um, it's really easy to withhold your work for a long time just because you don't feel like it's perfect. Tie-dye is a little bit different because you can't really like go back. I mean, I guess you can go back and re-dye it if you want, but um, just like throwing it out there, even if you don't think it's great, but you still worked hard on it, show the people. They want to see it. If they don't like it, that's okay too. Not everything's going to be a hit. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I look at my stuff and I just start, well, I don't like this and I don't like this over here and this doesn't look right. And, and most people would not look at it and start pointing out all these things. No, never. But <laughs> I think um, being the artist that you created the piece, you just hone in on those things. Yeah. I think that's probably what like makes you grow though. I think if, as, as an artist, if you're looking at your work and you're like, well, I could have done this better. I think being reflective on that um, while being at least nice to yourself is probably like a good balance. Like, I don't love this, but it's okay. Now I know. Now I'm going to do it a little bit different next time or try because tie-dye is a lot of trying because you don't really always get to know what it's going to look like until it's very much done. <laughs> Yeah, they should call it tri-dye. That, that's actually that's actually very correct. That's funny. I always say it's like, like painting a masterpiece with your eyes closed because you're you're making a thing and you're like, I think this is how it's gonna turn out. But you don't really know until like you can't make any changes on it. So I think that's cool and also makes it a little bit hard because you don't always know like what worked, what didn't work, where you went wrong. Um, or where you went right. That's always the hard thing. I'm like, this is really cool. How did I do this? I have no idea. Exactly. I'll never be able to do that again. Yeah. I have like some things that like came out looking like lightning bolts through the garment. And I'm like, I have zero idea how I did this, but it's really cool. No. I wish I could figure out how to do it again, but it doesn't always work like that. <laughs> no. Hannah, did you have any other questions for Erica? I think, I do not. I think we're ready for our rapid fire questions. Okay. So here you go. These are okay. just um, short answer questions and just kind of. Cool. Um, first thing that kind of pops up into your mind. Um, do you wear tie dye every day? Yes. All right. I don't really own much not tie dye because COVID made all my clothes either not fit or not be in style. <laughs> no, it's tie dye. <laughs> Do you tie wet or dry? I tie rayon dry and I tie cotton wet. Okay, that's interesting. Rayon will um, rip if you dye it or if you tie it while it's wet. Wet rayon is incredibly uh, delicate. So anyone out there that's trying to tie rayon wet, like with sinew, because you're tying really tight it will create little holes. So I dry that or tie that dry and everything else goes wet. Okay. What is your least favorite color to tie dye with? Oh, I don't think I have one. I like them all. Maybe orange. 
Okay. Orange mixes with other colors poorly sometimes. Yeah, you can tend to get brown when yeah. you're not really looking for brown. Yes. What is the most difficult piece you've ever dyed? I, whenever I try to do bed sheets or anything big, that's difficult because it's hard to fit in a bin, hard to wash out. Thick fabric is hard. Um, yes. Pretty much like anything big. Okay. And my last question is, um, who's your favorite vendor for blanks? So this is a hot topic for me lately because I do get this question a lot as do a lot of uh, dyers, I think, and probably a lot of artists in general. Um, I personally generally don't like to share my blank sources um, just because with, you know, with the internet and the way that we have to make these reels and TikToks and all of this short form video and constantly be creating content now, I feel like we give a lot of our process away and a lot of our what used to be business secrets away. Um, so I try to keep the blanks under wraps a little bit just because that is, I think, what um, what makes my art and other tie-dye artists different. Um, because what it's half of what you're dyeing and then it's half of how you dye it. And if I'm showing people how I dye it, I don't necessarily want to show them how to get what I'm dyeing too. Um, because... It's my livelihood. And also, I think if people are going to value things and, you know, be, be able to build their own business on it, they need to do some things themselves. So I try to keep that stuff under wraps as much as possible. I do share my blank sources with some of like my friends that are tie dye artists, people that I have a good relationship with and we're respectful towards each other as far as sharing sources, not sharing them with too many people making sure that, um, you know, another person is comfortable with me using the same blank as them or vice versa. Um, so I try to keep that little bit a secret, a business secret. So, um, and I think that I feel bad about it sometimes because I do get a lot of questions, but I try to tell myself that before the internet was king and that we were content creators as much as we are artists, um, Nobody asked these questions. Um, nobody was looking for the sources for our businesses. So I try to remind myself and other people that it's okay not to share everything about how we do what we do. I, I agree with your point of view 100%. Um, I'm glad you said what you did. And uh, I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a great opinion. Yeah, it's definitely hard to to stand by because like I love I love my fellow tie-dye artists like I consider these people to be my colleagues and friends and I respect what they do but I think um in respecting what they do and respecting what I do I try not to ever ask anyone where they get their blanks I generally don't tell people where I get mine um I'll sometimes I'll give people a vague answer like dharma is a good place to start I buy sure. a lot of from Dharma. So I'll, if I'm not feeling like I want to give someone the whole, the whole spiel, I'll just send them to Dharma and then they can find, you know, find their own way. Google's really powerful. 
you find a lot of stuff on the internet. Sure, <laughs> sure. So I usually send them there, but I'm glad you asked that. I think um, it's important as artists and business owners that we, um, you know, protect our businesses as much as we, you know, create content for people and create art for people. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Indeed. I respect that answer completely. You, it takes a lot of time and money to find the right blanks. A lot of time and a lot of money. And a lot of them are not re reliable sellers. They send you stuff like it says that it was rayon that's actually made of polyester and then you're out a couple hundred bucks. And um, that's not fun. But you got to learn the hard way. You got to invest your money and time into it. So I probably spend like, like 30 hours every month looking for blanks, maybe more. At least I do it like while I'm watching TV at night. Um, so my advice to people who are looking for where I found my blanks or where any artist found their blanks is to start Googling. <laughs> exactly. New diligence. Yeah. Got to take the time to, what is it? Got to pay to play. I there you go. That's the saying. So I, I recommend do your own research, figure it out. There's stuff that I can't find that I'll spend many, many, many hours looking for, but eventually, eventually you'll find it maybe. Or, maybe. or you find it and you, you found exactly what you're looking for, except you can only find it in a hundred percent polyester. Yeah. Yeah. Or and it's you're like, like green. It's everything. <laughs> yeah, it's everything I want, but it's all, it's a hundred percent polyester. And yeah. you're like, dang it. You can always find whatever you want in a hundred percent polyester. Yes. I'm convinced it all exists in polyester. <laughs> yes. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about, Erica? Not really. I really appreciate you guys having me on. This was fun. I love to talk clearly. Um, I think that it's great that you guys are doing this. I think that um, as small business owners, it's especially um, difficult to, you know, find people that have the same struggles as you, especially like as a tie-dye artist, we have very, very specific um, struggles and things that we love. So I think that this is a really great um, little podcast to help us all feel a little bit less alone and a little bit more validated in the struggles that we have and the wins that we have. Um, so I just thank you guys for doing this for our community. Thanks for being on the show and sharing your knowledge and, and your opinions and your time with us. This was really fun. Just absolutely I enjoyed yeah. this today. Me too. Thank you guys. And maybe now I'll have a productive work day. Hopefully. You, you too. <laughs> and thank you again, Erica. We really, really, really appreciate having you. And it was fun. And we hope that you can come back and join us again. I would love that. Well, um, have a good day, guys. Okay, you too. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Cool. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that was really fun. I want to thank Erica again for taking the time out of her busy day to chat with us. I really appreciate her being here and tolerating all our questions and uh, just having a good time with us. So thanks, Erica. Really appreciate it, girl.
Yeah, Erica, you're amazing. That was so fun to do that with you. Your personality, you can feel it. It's great. And not only are you an amazing artist, but you're also a really savvy businesswoman. And I admire that about you and learned a lot during that interview. So don't forget to follow Erica. Uh, she is thriving in tie-dye, all one word, on Instagram, or thriving in tie-dye, period, shop. Or you can check out her website, thrivingintie-dye.com. As always, we want to hear from the listeners. We want to hear your comments, any questions, any suggestions. Um, make sure that you uh, check for any questions that we might have for you folks. That's available on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening. This is Hannah, the Diamanding Hippie, the underscore Diamanding underscore Hippie. You can follow me on Instagram or check out my Etsy page. And thank you, as always, for tuning in and listening. This is Susan from Flying Dog Tie-Dye. My Instagram is Flying Dog underscore Tie-Dye. My website is flyingdogtiedye.com. Make sure that you give us a follow on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. If the platform you listen to your podcast on, Die Talk is not available, let us know and we'll make sure we make it available. Until the next time, peace, love, dogs, and tie-dye.